This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. I just finished traveling Southeast Asia for 41 days, and I usually always get sick when I travel, and quite frankly, eating is difficult for me. It's hard to find a restaurant, and I'm spoiled in Austin with my personal chef. Well, I took these little packets with me this time, 30 of them, in my carry-on suitcase. They kept me totally healthy with 11 different secret ingredients. You can see them at nathanlacka.com forward slash juice. I'll tell you more later on in the show. That's nathanlacka.com forward slash juice. You're in for a treat today, folks. This is episode 637. I talk with Clayton Mask, and I ask him why Infusionsoft did not IPO. Coming up tomorrow morning, you want to tune in as well. We've got Patrick McGinnis with us. He breaks down alternative investment ideas. His book deal included a 10% royalty and a $100,000 advance. He, again, gets into all of the details. Good morning, everybody. Nathan Latke here. Our guest today is Clayton Mask, and he has been educating and inspiring entrepreneurs for well over a decade. He's recognized by the small business community as a truly visionary leader. His passion for small business success stems from his personal experience taking Infusionsoft from a struggling startup to an eight-time Inc. 500 out of 5,000, an Inc. 5,000 winner. As CEO, he's leading Infusionsoft on its mission to create and dominate the market of sales and marketing software for small businesses. Under Clayton's leadership, the company has landed four rounds of venture capital, including a $55 million Series D led by Bain, with contributions from prior investors, including Signal Peak Ventures and Goldman Sachs. He was also named Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year finalist, a top 100 small business influencer by Small Business Trends, and one of the 100 most intriguing entrepreneurs of 2013 by Goldman Sachs. Clayton Mask, are you ready to take us to the top? I am, Nathan. That's quite an intro. Those awards, baby. That's a mouthful. (laughs) That's great. Thanks. Small businesses are notoriously tough. Small ARPUs, high churn. How do you crank through kind of Infusionsoft's darker days and get to where you are now? Yeah, great question. Well, huge part of it is making sure that you've got the right target customer. When you serve small businesses, you know, there, there are 27 million in the U.S. on record. There are probably at least that many that aren't on record in the U.S. And then the numbers globally are, you know, even bigger than that. So a massive, massive market. You got to serve the right kind of small business customer. And I think that's probably been the biggest thing for us over the years. And we haven't always got it right. I mean, we've got our ups and downs and challenges over the last 12, 13 years, particularly about six, seven years ago when we didn't get it quite right. And mm-hmm. it just about killed us. So you got to get it right. You got to get the product market fit. You know, that's always critical. I think everybody, everybody that has a SaaS product knows that it's just really, really tricky to get, to get that product market fit right in the small business market. And what's your sweet spot at now? And maybe give it to us in terms of what's the average small business or customer paying you per month currently. Yeah. So we, we focus on businesses that are two to 25 employees. Uh, the sweet spot for us really is two to 10 employees. That's where most of our customer base is. Okay. And on average, they're paying us between two fifty and 300 bucks a month. Uh, to get the benefits of sales and marketing automation in their business. And I was going to say, Clay, for folks that, that for whatever reason have not heard of you guys, if you had to kind of, you know, sync it up in one or two sentences, how would you describe your product offering? Uh, Salesforce.com for small business. You know, <laughs> QuickBooks meets Salesforce. That's the market that we serve. But I think if you had to kind of go a click deeper, you'd say it's CRM, marketing automation, sales automation, e-commerce, all in one suite. 
and you've processed, uh, I mean, I, obviously you're a SaaS business, right? Majority of your revenue is SaaS. Yes. And you've also though processed, I, I, what was the number? I mean, billions, right? In transaction volume, 3.4 billion payments processed. Is that another, I mean, is that a significant amount of revenue for you guys in terms of a cut you're taking there or no? Yeah, you know, it, it's actually becoming a more important part of our revenue. It was uh, for a long time, we didn't really, we just made a few basis points and it wasn't really much of a focus for us. Uh, our customers were using order forms and shopping carts and our software to, to uh, you know, complete sales. But, but we really were not getting hardly anything out of that. Then we created our own payment solution uh, about oh, probably less than two years ago. And now that's becoming a growing part of our revenue and it's good, good high margin business. And it's super awesome for our customers because it's not just a, another uh, merchant account provider. It's an ability to do all kinds of awesome automation when you um, swipe a card, if you use our mobile reader, or if you just you know process an order using our, our order forms or shopping cart using our payment solution. So the key is really not that it's just another payment solution. It's that it it triggers all kinds of beautiful automation using our our Infusionsoft payments, and and yes, it does create a nice little revenue stream. Were you able, Clay, uh, to negotiate um, kind of just because of your leverage a lower, uh, I guess, fee for your users because of how much business you'd bring to the partner? Call it First Data or whoever you yeah. partner with. Exactly. That that's right. And and so for a long time we didn't really push too much, but when you start to get to the volume that we that our customers do, it gave us the ability to create a, a, an arrangement where we, you know, we get a, a, you know, a few more of those basis points and those add up when you're talking billions of dollars a year. Yep. Let's go back real quick and get more of the backstory here. So what year was the company founded in? Well, we actually started in 2002, but it wasn't until we were a custom software company. It wasn't until 2005 that we said, Hey, let's, let's really serve, let's do sales and marketing software for small business. And then it wasn't until 2007, so five years after we started the business, that we decided we really wanted to go for it, raise capital, um, take the company public, build a multi-billion-dollar company. That was that was not how we started. We started like every small business. We had no intention to build something big. We just wanted to stick it to the man and call, call our own shots, and that's how we created it. But once we started using our software to grow our business. And we started seeing what customers were doing when they put sales and marketing automation in place. And then the last piece was we saw how Salesforce was moving upstream very quickly. Uh That opened up the opportunity for us. And we decided, why not be the QuickBooks of sales and marketing software? Walk me through, actually, the dark days. Were those in 2005 when the pivot was happening? I mean, what would you consider your dark days? Uh, Well, two times where we had dark days. First time was during the first three years where every day was a, a fight for survival every day. Yeah. And it was just, we, we know the small business market because we, that was us. We understand it. Um, we didn't raise capital until we'd been going for years and we had a vision that we were going to, you know, we were going to go create something really big for small businesses. So those first three years were brutally difficult. I used to tell people all the time, man, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy, but in, in, in turn, it actually became the greatest thing for the company because it helped us just create, tremendous amount of empathy for small businesses, the plight of the entrepreneur, what they're trying to do, and gives us all of our passion to um, change the world for small businesses with sales and marketing automation. So that was the first period of dark times. And then the second period was when we got our product market fit off and our churn went way up and we had already raised What did churn go up to? 8% a month. month. Monthly gross customer churn or revenue? Yes. 
gross customer churn, 8%. Wow. So you're basically turning your entire base in a year is, you know, the effect of that. Yeah. And that's not good. Business. How much, how do you, how much, how do you, how much had you already raised at that point? Uh, we had raised 17 at the time we'd done our A round and our B round. Mm-hmm. And this was like 2010. And so it's tough because now the stakes are higher. You've got investors, you're churning like crazy. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're bringing, you're churning out as many customers as you're bringing in, you know, it's just ugly, awful. Um, but it took us a while to get through that. We did, we got our target, our, our, our product market fit, right. Um, what was your, after, what was you your know, new churn target? What were you trying to drive down to? Uh, we, we like to be in the two, two you know, two, two and a half percent range. That's where we, that's where we've always been, you know, outside of that period of time where we just got, you know, we just, we got off and then we got off because we changed our pricing and we, we did a bunch of different things. And, you know, I, I, I look back on that. We weren't quite 8%. It was about seven, 7.6% was yep. at the worst point, but man, it was brutal. Well, so that, those were dark times. <laughs> Fast for So I, I have some questions around, again, actual levers you pulled to drive that down and some other things, but fast forward us so people know where you are today. How much total capital raised? Uh, about 125 million, about half of which was capital for the business. Okay. Got it. Versus uh, what you people were bought out earlier. Investors already took returns. Yeah. What we did an acquisition with, with a piece of that. And then we also, you know, big chunk of that was buying out early investors. Got it. Interesting. And, and for both people, I mean, we've had, I want to say probably only 20 guests on that have raised more than a hundred million bucks. And you hear this, I mean, this happens very often for those people that are maybe their next round is going to put them in this range. And they're gonna have to be thinking about these kinds of things. How did you have those conversations with your new investors about buying out old investors, especially like, how do you make sure you don't make old investors mad if, if it feels like the new ones are trying to push them out? Uh, old investors aren't mad. They, you know, they're happy to get a return. When you create something that's growing, there's always a new investor that wants to replace an old investor. So, um, you know, when, what, you know, I've never had a situation. In fact, and we also didn't, it wasn't a complete buyout. It was basically, you know, you raise around, uh, you, you have an investor that wants to come in and they want to put in more money. Usually if the, you know, if they're excited about the business, they want to put more money in. So, they, they usually want to put more money in than the company wants to raise. So raise. So it, the, the round is quote unquote oversubscribed. And yep. the, the way to make that work is you take a percentage of what you raised and you, you make an you make it available to your existing shareholders to sell some shares, some percentage, and everybody has an opportunity to sell an equal, equal percentage of their holdings. So that's the way it worked. Um, and, and, you know, Sometimes people end up selling more because not enough people wanted to sell their shares. So uh, it's a really cool thing when that happens because you see people that have been, you know, investors in, you know, six, seven, eight years earlier and they get an opportunity to sell shares and make a big return and feels it's good. a lot of fun. Feels good. What do you got team yeah. size today? Uh, about 600 employees um, and, uh, you know, continuing to hire and grow. That's great. And then uh, how many customers are you serving here? Q1 2017. Yeah, we've got about 135,000 users now. Um, and so we're, you know, continuing to grow and add and, and we've got, you know, the, the great thing is this, we've, we've just completed our 10 year Everest mission, which went from beginning of 2007 to the end of 2016. And that was basically the period of time when we caught the vision and said, we're going to go build you know, a, a really big, meaningful company to change the world for small businesses and the way they grow. 
And that we just completed that 10 years at the end of 2016. And we just kicked off our Mars mission, which takes us through the end of 2030. And, you know, we, we've got some really cool, exciting things that are coming on the horizon and product. And we feel like we just, we just are scratching the surface on what's possible to help small businesses grow more efficiently through automation. And you've got the conference coming up as well. Just to clarify though, Clay, the 135,000 number, those, you said users, those are all paying customers, right? Yep. Got it. That's all paying. We don't, it's all paying. So obviously you have other lines of business, like the merchant fees, et cetera, professional services, but I can maybe do the math and say at a minimum, 135,000 customers times a 250 ARPU, you're doing at least 34 million bucks per month. Well, no, those are because the users are not uh, paying account customers. Those are, those are, you know, you have a, you have a customer number that has two, three, four, five users in the account. Oh, I see. I see. So I've got to divide I, 135 I by like, million. I was about great. to say, that's a great company. <laughs> my next question, if, if, if you said yes to that, my next question is going to be, so why haven't you gone public yet? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Cool. What do you, can you share that number? What do you have in terms of uh, seats per paid account on average? Um, you know, it's about, you know, it'll tend to be three or four or something like that. Okay. Got it. So maybe, uh, maybe one third or a fourth of the number I just gave an MRR. You can't comment. Let's go forward, Clay. Why haven't you gone public? A lot of people thought around the time HubSpot was <laughs> was making that decision that you guys are going to be right there. Walk us through the, that thought process. Yeah. yeah, the market shifted. You know, we Ow. we were we were getting ready to do that. Um, well, a couple things. The you had what's what's happened over the last like call it seven years is companies need to be bigger to go public. Companies are waiting a lot longer to go public, and so. Can you quantify that, Clay? Like be, how big? Hundred yeah, million, two hundred million. Contact. One fifty is is more like what it is today. ARR rate. Contact went public at twenty seven million. Yeah. So you know that kind of <laughs> wow. gives you a sense for how 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 much it's changed in the last eight nine years. So um, you know what really is happening is private money is a lot easier to raise, and so uh, and and a lot of times what historically was the case where public where public uh, valuations were better than private valuations, that switched for a number of reasons over the last few years. And so late stage companies are able to rise, pri raise private capital. So we did that. Um, we raised private capital uh, instead of going public. And that's when we did the Bain round. You know, you look at that, we raised between Bain and Goldman, $109 million. And, you know, that was an IPO nine years Basically, ago, eight years yeah. ago, maybe five years ago. Yep. Yep. Do they, um, these are obviously levels, fundraising levels that are kind of in a different sphere than what most people are typically thinking of. W what are some things that you, that happened as you were having those conversations, maybe, you know, testing out if a roadshow made sense, all that stuff that you didn't anticipate would it would have, would have come up or would have been happening? Um, you know, I don't know that, I don't know if there's anything we didn't anticipate. I think it was just that when, when the market changed a little bit, probably, oh, I don't know, 2014. Um, we, you know, we just expected that, that, you know, a company that was you know, on, well on its way to a hundred million would be, would be fine and ready to go. We just found that, no, you know, as we talked to bankers, we talked to others, we just felt like there's no, it, it's always better to stay private longer. Interesting. So you can, and you can get the capital, then do it. Are you, Clayton, are you kind of in that range right now between a hundred million and 150 million ARR? 
Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Okay, cool. Let's round out because you have a lot of insight into unit economics, specifically how to pull levers to drive different economics. So I would be I have to take advantage of that, obviously, for the listeners. You you were up at 8% churn. You drove it down to 2% gross customer churn monthly. What were some levers you pulled to do that? Um, Well, you got to get the target customer right. Um, So in small business in particular, it's really tough because you just bring in all sorts and and, you know, most of the other people that are doing something similar to what we're doing, they have a much higher churn. And we're just not willing to do that. We don't play that game. We're dead serious about helping small businesses succeed. You mean they're acquiring customers unprofitably? Churn. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and well, they're playing the gym model. They're playing the model of, you know, you sign up a lot of people, but not very many people, not very many of those folks use it. And you, you know, it's called a breakage model and you end up, you end up having a lot of churn and, and people, in, a lot of times in small business, will say, "Ah, oh, the market's so big, that's okay." But we just we don't want to play that. That's not our interest. So, so what what, what that means is you've got to you got to filter out the businesses that. Re, I mean, we have thousands and thousands of businesses every month that we say no to in our in our lead qualification process because they're not they're not yet ready for Infusionsoft. And you might say, "Well, whoa, you're you know two to twenty five or two to ten is your sweet spot." How many can there be that aren't ready? Well, about ninety percent of the small business market is solopreneurs. Interesting. So that that is the challenge when you do when you serve small businesses, and it and you've got to you've got to tweak and adjust things so you get the LTV CAC ratio right. What are you? That at? is you know as you um, we we range anywhere between three and a half and four and a half. That's kind of you know where we where we typically go. So the four and a half dollars of us, LTV um, for for a dollar a CAC. Um. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, the, the, yes, that's that right. a ratio you just gave that's me. Exactly. Right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Got that's it. Right. So, you know, anything over, a, over a three is considered okay, but when you can get up pushing five, that's awesome. So, um, but you know, that's that number, the LTV CAC ratio is the number that, that, that every SAS leader knows they've got to manage well. Yep. And that's, that's the trick. So, and- do you assume, um, how do you back in? A lot of people will use an Excel sheet to back into a lifetime value dollar in terms of, sorry, number in terms of dollars. Are you just taking 2% gross monthly churn, putting that below one and getting 50 months kind of lifetime value multiplied by your 250 ARPU and assuming about $12,000 of LTV? It's better to do, it's better to do uh, revenue than, than uh, unit churn. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I imagine with your guys' upselling and stuff, you guys are probably pushing exactly. that negative, right? Well, not quite, but we're, we're, you know, we're moving toward that direction. So, but the point is, yeah, you want to do, you want to do, um, revenue or otherwise your LTV CAC ratio doesn't look right. Got it. Last question before we, before we get into the wrap up here. Um, I thought when when I was studying your site during these times where you were pivoting, one thing I noticed you added was a a thousand or $2,000 kind of setup fee. And then I just heard kind of through talks with people that that's when churn was going down. Would you directly Mm -hmm. associate that upfront fee with being the number one mover of your churn going from eight to 2%? Absolutely. Interesting. Just because it helps you get the right people. No question. Fascinating. And that's what, you know, many people don't want to do. So anybody that wants to compete with a few stuff, hey, no upfront fee. And I know what your churn looks like. So guys, I'm so glad to be back in Austin. I just got back from a major tour of Southeast Asia, went to Sydney, Bangkok, Bali, and Japan. And, you know, I always get sick when I travel. And this particular trip, my gosh, 15 different airports, 20 different hotels. I mean, imagine flushing in airport bathrooms. I was worried about germs and getting all the nutrition I need. I mean, finding a restaurant in Japan 
difficult because nothing's in English. So it was hard enough to figure out the train system. But my point is, I had a guy named Drew Cannoli on the show who said, Nathan, if you're concerned about that, take these little green packets with you. You just mix them once per day with water. They'll keep you super healthy. You get all your nutrients and they'll keep you from getting sick. So I took them and guys, they worked unbelievably well. I got no sickness, just mixed them with water once per day. They didn't make my water bottles all sticky. That's like nice. A lot of these mixers, they make them sticky. It was very clean and smooth. Took them once per day, never got sick. So they've got 11 superfoods and they're perfect if you're not traveling, but you're just on the go from your office to work. So you can check them out at nathanlatka.com forward slash juice. That's nathanlatka.com forward slash juice. Okay, Top Tribe, I have to tell you, many people go, Nathan, you came out of nowhere. Your website's growing so fast. How'd you do it? The answer is simple. So I use HostGator. I don't know if you guys know that, but I use HostGator. And the reason I do, they have like about 4,500 free templates I can use because I don't code. They've got a great e-commerce plugin. And guys, I bug the heck out of their support. They've got 24-7 support, which I love. So what I've done is I've worked with them. You guys know I make great deals. If you go to hostgator.com forward slash Nathan, you can sign up, get your own domain for 30% off and a 45-day money-back guarantee. Okay, again, I make great deals for you guys. Go to hostgator.com forward slash Nathan to grab that now. All right, let's wrap up here with Clayton Mass. These are the famous five, Clayton. <laughs> Quick answers. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Oh, man. Favorite business book. Hard to pick a favorite. Jeffrey Moore's um, going to kill you. Books a quarter. He's going to kill you if you don't mention it. Crossing the Chasm is pretty good. <laughs> Crossing the Chasm is pretty good. But I, I've read so many that I love. But probably the better thing to say is what's your favorite book right now? Okay. Um, and I'd say The Advantage. Great book. All good ones. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying currently? Um, you know, there's a number that I watch. Uh, I'm, I'm always fascinated with Bezos. I just think uh, what he does is really, really amazing. Um, obviously, Benioff, I think what he's done has been incredible. Um, and then I've got, you know, some more that are a little bit closer to my world and my size that I look up to. Number three, besides your own, what's your favorite online tool? Um, gosh, I'll tell you, I've... I've become a fan of Thumbtack lately. So that, that little app's awesome. Uh, and uh, do you get eight hours of sleep every night? Never. How many? <laughs> how, how, how many? Uh, I, I, do, I do on the weekends, I should say. I don't. I catch up on the weekend. What do you have? Um, I usually sleep six. All right, that's pretty good. Six is pretty common. And yeah. last last question here, Clay. What's your, what's your situation? Married, single, you have kids? Married, six kids. Oh, my Lord. To eight. And how, yep. old are, how old are you? Um, 44. So take us home. Last, what do you wish your, uh, take us back 24 years. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? Uh, I wish that's a good question. Uh, I would say a great question. 20 years ago, I, I actually wish I knew, uh, that business, not law was the better path for me because I had a couple of years of churn there. <laughs> um, and, and I wish I, I wish I knew that, uh, building, building a team and a culture is far more fun than making money. 
Stop, drive. There you have it from Clade. Building that team and culture is far more fun than making money. I think it's fair to say he has the highest ARR per child of every SaaS CEO I've interviewed. (laughs) He's killing it. But launched in 2002, he was super vulnerable. Told you about his dark times here on the show. Went from about 8% churn down to 2% churn. Raised over 125 million bucks. Doing somewhere now between 100 million and 150 million bucks in ARR. Serving over 45,000 unique customers across about 120,000 users. 200 50-ish dollar ARPU. Uh, again, uh, super healthy churn at about 2.2 or 2.5% gross monthly with his team of 600 based out there in Arizona and other locations. Clayton Mask, thank you for taking us to the top. Thanks, thanks, Nathan. Great to be with you. If you enjoyed Clayton today, go back and listen to Amapreet yesterday. His Bangalore startup hit $40,000 in monthly recurring revenue, helping 18 customers get consumer data using social intelligence with his company called Froll. It would mean the world to me if you guys got any value from this episode, if you would go leave a review on iTunes right now and then subscribe. You know, I hustle like heck to get these episodes out every freaking day for you guys. And trust me, I love it. I would do it with no listeners, but boy, oh boy, it makes my day and it makes my team's day when we see great reviews and get your feedback. So thanks so much. Top Tribe, I love giving away free money. I feel like Oprah giving away cars and I have something special for you today. How many of you have heard our super sharp guests talk about success they've had with Facebook and Google ads? Well, all of you listening right now, yes, if you're listening, you get $100 in free AdWords. Here's how you get it, okay? Again, thanks for listening. Get the free $100 from Google, right, when you sign up with my website host provider, HostGator. Go sign up now to get your free money, HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. Again, that's HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. 